So you're at home and people pounding on the door. And you got seven kids. The kids are freaked out because the people are just kicking the door in. And then you find out, oh, it's just the FBI. <laughs> Except that it's the FBI. And you are a pro-life speaker and sidewalk counselor. And you're going to be taken captive by the FBI who refuses to give your wife the entire arrest warrant, just one page. This happened in the same time frame that the figurehead read this statement from a teleprompter with as much passion as a piece of paper. Compared to Democratic rally, we're making real progress. We passed the Inflation Reduction Act to bring down costs, the bipartisan infrastructure law to rebuild America, the American Rescue Plan to bring our economy back, and so much more. But the extreme MAGA Republicans want to take it all back. The extreme MAGA Republicans. Got it. The extreme MAGA Republicans. I thought we were done with that. He said, we're not going to call names. This is an adult man who decided to use his car to run down a young man, 17 or 18 years old, and murder him because in this man's judgment, he was too far right. A life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. Family that are very important to me. So for contrasting and comparing, that guy got out on $50,000 bail. The pro-life speaker got taken out of his house at gunpoint. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Big announcement coming up this week on some notes about what's going to be happening with the podcast. The Lord has blessed us from the very beginning with such a loyal podcast family. Most of you came from the radio family. We so appreciate that. And partners of the week are the folks who've been behind the scenes on this. Julie Barrett from Conservative Ladies of Washington, major creative marketing out of Seattle. Dave Parkhurst, with, uh, known as Dave the Digital, greenhaveninteractive.com. These are the guys, the men and women who have helped bring this to where we're at. We're in the top one half of 1% of all podcasts downloaded. And that's due to you. Recently, my friend, uh, Alyssa, I don't know if she wants her last name on the podcast, has jumped in to help us book guests. So you're going to notice that we'll have more guests on the program. It's surprisingly time-consuming booking guests. I hope that you'll add this podcast team to your prayers. Because funny thing I've noticed about the, the more closely you work aligned to the word of God, uh, the more often you're going to be attacked uh, in various ways. And that brings us to this hour's discussion. Once upon a time in America, just about everything we're going to talk about here was unconscionable, unimaginable. When was that? Well, there was a time when the country was idealistic and had been founded upon recognition that rights flow from God. But even then we had problems. Obviously, slavery was a problem. It's a perversion against the word of God to keep people in bondage that way. Yes, it was a fact of the time. Yes, we were the second of the great nations to do away with slavery at huge, huge human costs. Yes, all those things are true. We know that. So we had our challenges and we fought through those challenges, very literally fought through those challenges. But there was a time in America, even then, that what we're going to talk about was, was unconscionable. And this is a simple picking and choosing of the laws. And so much of it is driven by a form of insanity that sometimes people make fun of. And it's funny, the Trump derangement syndrome. It's a great name. It's a very funny name, but it's a very, very true syndrome. And is it really Trump for them or is it us? What I think has happened is I think people who have been in the, um, in the establishment 
particularly shiny shoed professional Republicans, I think what has happened is they're quite aware of the fact that their influence is dead. They're also quite aware of the fact that their grift is threatened. And it is driving them nuts that the same tricks aren't working. They've gotten to a point where they live in lies. And when you're living in lies, you simply, you, you reach a point where you can no longer see the truth. And this is so consistent now. It's almost being too consistent for my taste in terms of being a podcast performer. Because it sounds like the same thing, but we have a one problem, one solution element here with these people. They are living in utter lies. So what do we do? We grind ourselves in truth, the word of God, but we do some other things. It's a tough thing. We've been putting off pain. We're going to have to go through pain. And some of that pain is going to be, we're going to have to be okay letting go of some things. We need to let go of the Republican Party. Utterly. The word Republican, we should go back to a Republican form of democracy. But there is no Republican Party. There's a fundraising grift. There's a logo. But anymore, there are no consistent principles that would separate Republicans from the party. There are the wedge issues. The wedge issues are the ones that don't exist to be solved. They exist to be divisive. They're not the ones that exist to be worked on. They're the ones that exist to remain a wall between us. We need to let go of any idea that our help is going to come from Washington, D.C. in the way that it's designed today. We need to decide right now that there are sometimes Republicans that simply we cannot endorse. We simply cannot vote for. And this is so utterly scary. I can't imagine voting for a Democrat. And I can't have I don't have any plans to. But I cannot imagine continuing to give fealty to an organization that is allowing blatant evil to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't back some Republicans. But when it comes down to people like a Mike Crapo out of the state of Idaho, I'm hearing his campaign ads. The man won't talk about any of the issues affecting our children. He won't talk about the abuse of, 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 of process with the so-called January 6th commission. Even in North Idaho, he's not running ads about that. North Idaho is the conservative part of the state. He won't talk about the teachers union assaults on the minds of kids. He won't talk about the purposeful destruction of the cities. He calls himself a conservative and he talks about tax cuts. I was thinking about how to explain this. This is when, when conservatives and Republicans want to talk about tax cuts. Here's, to me, a metaphor that really, really works. There are elements of our society, with the great aid of Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, they're, they're fine letting this happen. Then there's the active doers. If you look at the United States as a house, there are people who have a, um, a sledgehammer and they are driving holes into the foundation. You have people who are drilling holes into the wood in the house and inserting termites. You have other people who are soaking the drywall in water. You have other people who are lighting fires where it's dry and putting accelerants on it. That's happening right now. The foundation. The foundation of equal treatment under the law. The foundation of free speech, particularly to redress grievances against the government. The foundation of the family. The foundation of the church. The foundation of the respect for life. All these foundations are being destroyed, kicked, vandalized, burned, drilled through. And you have people like Mike Crapo standing on top of the roof saying, we're going to replace this. We're going to replace some of these shingles. I'm working hard to replace the shingles on the roof. And I'm going to plant some beautiful ferns on the walk. And I'm going to get all the... All that, uh, all those mushrooms and uh, dandelions out of the lawn. I'm conservative. Mike Apro running for, for Congress. I'm conservative. No, you're not. You're deluded. You're scared. You can't see it. 
You refuse to touch it. You can't represent us. You can represent the decline, Mike. That's all you can represent. You can represent the decline. Rush Limbaugh, God rest him, used to talk about people who are happy to manage the decline of the country. Now, this far into the death of Rush, I'm finally understanding the full depth of that statement, the full meaning of that statement, watching them manage the decline. Let's just make sure that the decline goes slowly and manageably and that our stuff stays okay. I'm watching this. Are you watching it? Perfect representation of all of this. And I know how people feel about this, so I won't play a long clip. But the perfect representation of this is Liz Cheney speaking at the American Enterprise Institute. They're a conservative group, don't you know? They're, they, they think tax cuts, tax cuts are very important. And look, I want low taxes too. I'm about small government and big people because the bigger the government, the smaller the person. That's my philosophy. What is conservatism? Small government, big people. Liz Cheney speaking to the American Enterprise Institute. We'll get to that. In fact, let's do that now. Here she is talking about a great exception to American presidents. Unprecedented, don't you know? We have had presidents of both parties, men of goodwill, some much better than others, but all who fulfilled their oath, all except for one. And gosh, I wonder who she means. She said... Bit by bit, excuse by excuse, we're putting Donald Trump above the law. We're rendering, we're rendering indefensible conduct normal, legal and appropriate, as though he were a king. Liz Cheney. Meanwhile, Merrick Garland's FBI, Merrick Garland is an impotent man who surrounds himself with paper bullies. His FBI has raided the home of a guy named Mark Houck, founder and president of the King's Men. Promotes healing for victims of pornography addiction. Promotes Christian virtues among young men in the United States and Europe. This is from LifeSite News. There's a link to this in the show notes. According to his wife, Ryan Marie, who spoke with LifeSite News, this guy drives two hours to Philadelphia every Wednesday to, to provide sidewalk counsel for six to eight hours at two different abortion centers. Ryan Marie's homeschool mother explained that the SWAT team of 25 to 30 FBI agents swarmed their primary property with around 15 vehicles at 7.05 this morning. September 22, or 23, 2022, was this is written. Swarmed their house at 7.05 in the morning. They surrounded the house with rifles in firing position. They started pounding on the door and yelling for us to open it. Before opening the door, she explained her husband tried to calm them, saying, please, I'm going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house, but they kept pounding and screaming. When he opened the door, they had the big, huge rifles pointed at Mark and pointed at me and kind of pointed throughout the house, Ryan Marie described. When they came in, they ordered the kids to stay upstairs. Our staircase is open, so the kids were all at the top of the stairs, which faces the front door. I was on the stairwell coming down. The kids were all screaming. It was very scary and traumatic. Asking them why they were at the house, the agent said they were there to arrest Mark. When Ryan Marie asked for the warrant, they said that they were going to take him, whether they had a warrant or not. When Ryan Marie protested saying that is kidnapping, you can't just come to a person's house and kidnap them at gunpoint. They agreed to get the warrant for her from one of the vehicles. At this point, Mark asked her to get him a sweatshirt and his rosaries. But when she returned, they'd already loaded him into a vehicle. They provided the first page of the warrant and said they were taking him to the federal building in downtown Philadelphia. After they'd taken Mark and the kids were all screaming and he was at their very best. Uh, he was their very best friend. The FBI agents on the porch kind of softened a bit. I think they realized what was happening or maybe actually had a sense of, uh, looked at the warrant. I'm pretty sure they looked ashamed at what just happened. He's been charged, this guy, with violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinics Entrance Act, claiming that he uh, attacked a patient escort. 
Mark's interpretation of the events is that he had taken his son, 12 years old, to see his work counseling people who are considering having abortions and that a very loud and very inappropriate and very rude, very aggressive man continued to come up to them screaming insults, crude insults at his dad, saying things like your dad's, well, I won't say the words, filthy words. And the father, Mark, said, hey, please don't approach my kid. You don't have permission to talk to my kid. Please don't talk to my kid. But the guy kept it up. And eventually Mark shoved him. There you go, federal charges. Merrick Garland's FBI. But of course, Liz Cheney. We have had presidents of both parties, men of goodwill, some much better than others, but all who fulfilled their oath, all except for one. It is almost coveting what she used to have, a monopoly. It's Liz's turn. I mean, her dad was vice president. Her dad was at the CIA, wasn't he? It's her turn. This is her inheritance that's being messed with. It's her turn to tell you what to do. She sits on a committee with a woman who parades about bragging her about her insider trading. She sits on a committee with that woman and she says that Donald Trump is the aberration. She, she is now ignoring the acts of the people who run Joe Biden in getting this done. And, and the Republican Party says what? How about Liz Cheney? Well, she's a Republican. They can't. We can. Republicans who do not understand the stakes of the game, who want to talk about tax cuts, are helping the Democrats. They're helping the party in the following way. As they make the debate about tax cuts, which is McConnell's big game, as you have Kevin McCarthy coming out thinking he's on fire with this agreement with America, things we've heard from the party a hundred different times. As they're doing that, you have warfare. Who wins in that house scenario? What is going to happen? As one group of people is drilling into the foundation, inserting termites into where there's wood, watering down the drywall in places in the house that it's still dry, pouring accelerants and lighting fires, or the tax cut. We don't talk about social issues because they're icky. Republicans standing on the roof, going through and replacing some of the problematic shingles or pressure washing the driveway. Who wins? Sure, driveway's going to look fantastic. Nothing wrong with pressure washing a driveway. Makes your house look new. Pressure wash the sides of the house. Fantastic. Who wins? Who has a house? Who gets it done? We have got to become okay trusting in the Lord enough to say, you know what? If this is your approach, I think I'm going to turn to God. I don't think I need you. I think we might have to go through some pain. Otherwise, we're going to remain dependent on our hope from coming from the Republican Party. But there are Republicans who are bringing it. If our support surrounds and floods into the Republicans who get it and are bringing it, the business model changes for them. They can't get elected without us in mass. My screening process, who is the Lord Jesus to them? How does it manifest in their life? What is the evidence they abide in Christ? Those are my three main criteria. Now, what is your public life like? What are your histories as, a, as, a, as an office holder or as a business person or whatever you did before that? Show me your history. Then demonstrate to me that you understand the stakes of the game and that you're not going to sit here and talk to me about changing out some shingles on the top of a house that's being burned down from the basement up. I'll give you some examples of such treatment. And coming from a guy who thinks that the election should have been accepted. I like Rep Massey. I disagree. I think the election was rigged. But that gives him a unique position as he debates Jerry Nadler 
and Jamie Raskin about something related to Jan 6. What would have been unthinkable? Arresting a man for defending a kid without harming anybody. Pushing a guy at a federal level with a SWAT team at the same time as they let this guy go, this Brant who decided to run down a teenager. Well, I don't understand the differences. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt had a tough time understanding the charges against him, vehicular homicide, and leaving the scene of a deadly accident. A judge ordered Brandt held on $50,000 cash, which he objected, saying he's not a flight risk. I have a job and a, and a, a life and a house and things that I don't exactly want to see, you know, go by the wayside. That's WDAY. That are very important to me. That's WDAY. Family that's very important to him. Sorry about that. $50,000 bail and out for a political murder of a kid, a young man. <laughs> that was unconscionable. Five years ago, that was unconscionable. Picking and choosing at that level. Oh, incidentally, has Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy spoken that young man's name? Said anything? Challenged Joe Biden? Asked him to disown it? Did they say anything about Martha's Vineyard? Did Mitch come out and say anything about Martha's Vineyard? I, does he have a place there? I'm curious if Mitch has a place there. I guess we could figure that out. So we'll get to Thomas Massey and Jerry Nadler and Jamie Raskin. But one other example since... Liz Cheney says that Donald Trump is the only office holder in history to not uphold, or probably the only president in history to, to not uphold his constitutional oath. On the border, why is the border more overwhelmed under your watch, Mr. President? Because there are three countries that are never have, there are fewer, there are fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. <laughs> the ability to send them back, how about not letting them in? The people who run Joe Biden, how about not letting them in? Hey, Liz. Is that failing to uphold this constitutional oath? I told you last week about this strange coincidence. Um, I'm getting a lot of these in relation to the, the, the family of God. It's, it's remarkable, the body of Christ. I told you about this connection that my friend um, Zach Abraham, Boer Capital Management, and I have. The people I consider my godparents know his parents from way back. See, sometimes I think things are meant to be. When Zach Abraham came and started to do a radio show, when I did a radio show in Seattle, he'd heard my show and was wondering, I wonder what that guy's like in person, thinking probably I'm some kind of stuck up person who thinks radio is a big deal job. Found out, no, I, I think it's a job. I think it's a fun job. I think it's just like any other job. And I was thinking, well, Zach's going to come in here with his big money firm and don't know what he's going to be like. And he was the nicest, most humble man. Then I got to know his approach. And this is what brought me to him as a client. Look, I have friends and they're, they're lovely people. They are, they've, they've helped. In fact, some of them helped get me started in the radio business. I love them. I always will. I disagree with them on the approach in finances, particularly given the mobbed up financial system that we have. What I found so refreshing about Zach's radio show at knowyourriskradio.com, in addition to his work as the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management, is he doesn't pull any punches. He'll come right out and talk about what Tom Steyer's doing. He'll come right out and talk about what Larry Fink of BlackRock is doing. He'll come right out and say, yes, I think there's going to be direct and indirect deaths in Europe because of the energy crisis. And he and I debate all the time. Hey, is this stuff on purpose? Or are they this stupid? Or is it a combination of that? That's fun to discuss. But when it comes down to getting the job done, Bulwark Capital Management is about risk management. It's a pretty unique focus. If you're five to 10 years out from retirement, they want to manage your risk. Yes, grow your portfolio. You better believe it. He wants you to win. He likes that stuff. 
but he doesn't want those big holes blown out, particularly the few years before retirement. That could be, that could be the end of retirement. So with Zach at Bower Capital Management, you get the zealous, obsessive focus on risk management. You get truth telling. If you're five to 10 years out from retirement, it is simply doesn't make any sense to do anything else, then check them out. So call Bower Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given with a client services agreement. Bower Capital Management is an investment advisor, representative of Check Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. got an email coming up in a bit a listener named nary um loves the show thinks i'm a phony <laughs> well i just can love the show and think i'm a phony and then thinks i'm i'm playing for sympathy that's an interesting interpretation i appreciate the note i i, I have no problem with criticism doesn't mean i'm going to change how i do things but i have no problem with criticism in fact you know what the people who love you most are going to tell you the things that are bugging them so we'll get to that. No, this is the second note I got this week. Someone upset with me. Uh, a listener named Shay is really upset with me too. I, I'm, I'm getting better at getting people upset. Um, there's a comparison here. Greg Abbott has signed an executive order that names the drug cartels as terrorist organizations. He's the governor of Texas. He gets the stakes to some degree, although he still, as I understand it, still has the uh, fake emergency thing installed in the state of Texas, the COVID emergency, which would mean to me he's sucking up federal monies, which makes me ill. But he signed an executive order stating, designating Mexican cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. And he should, because the people who run, who run uh, Joe Biden won't do that. They won't treat them that way. Remember, and never forget, Barack Hussein Obama let them ship drugs, smuggle drugs over, under, and through our southern border in cooperation with the Taliban and Hamas. A double banger. So much of this would have been unconscionable. The January 6th hearings are back. (laughs) More prime time. And it involves, at this time, Jerry Nadler, who, well, I mean, give him this credit. He continues to have a, um, a career. I, that's, that's baffling to me. Uh, but this is Jerry Nadler reading a statement, and it's a long one. I watched 40 minutes of this hearing. Very painful. Because about 20 minutes of it was Jerry Nadler reading this note his staff wrote for him. Or I think his staff wrote for him. This is Nadler saying that all of this, all the January 6th stuff, has one very simple explanation. In spite of this overwhelming evidence, ever since the afternoon of January 6th, Trump's supporters have pointed fingers everywhere but at their leader. First, the real culprit was Antifa infiltrating the crowd. Then we were told that, that what we saw with our own eyes did not actually happen. No one said it didn't. No buildings were vandalized that no law enforcement officers were killed or injured, that it was just a normal tourist visit. No officers now, were killed. Now the new fantasy is that an FBI agitator snuck through a crowd of peaceful protesters, planting the seeds of insurrection <laughs> in otherwise innocent minds. Such conspiracy theories are easily proven false, and it appears nonsensical that any of them would ever warrant coverage on mainstream media, let alone congr- consideration before a congressional committee. Reading that statement, Nadler just there repeated disinformation. No officer was killed. There were plenty of people killed. People beaten to death, a woman beaten to death by Capitol Hill cops in the tunnel, a woman shot in the face or rather in the neck with a cop who didn't identify himself and didn't issue a warning. And Ashley was trying to get out of the way. She was scared. She was being pressed up against the door. By the way, there were a bunch of cops there that could have stopped that. But Nather wants to repeat that. This is where it gets almost hilarious. But again, back in the day, once upon a time in America, Jamie Raskin would have been laughed at. When Jamie Raskin came out and said, how dare you question the elections? It's too long of a statement I could play it in five seconds, I guess. I'd grab it and play it for you. But you remember Jamie Raskin, who was an election denier. He stood to say, do not confirm the vote for Donald Trump. 
Don't confirm the electors. He attempted an insurrection, a coup. He was an election denier. They all were. Once upon a time in America, hypocrisy at that level was laughed at. It was disqualifying. Once a time time in America, people with that long history of lying couldn't get into office at this level. That was prior to the spin machine. That was prior to the taste of power. Something about pamphleteering, the First Amendment protects freedom of the press is freedom of pamphleteering. It wasn't particularly efficient at spreading the word. So that had to be done face to face. Politicians had to go out face to face, meaning they had to face the people they were trying to convince. Meaning it doesn't done electronically. One of the things that we must demand if we're going to take our country back, which is the consolation prize, the big prize is saving souls. One of the things we would demand of godly people is they'll come and meet with us. And guess what? People who are truly abiding in Christ, office holders, of course they'll meet with us. Why? Because they're not important. They don't live in brick castles. They don't live on high-heeled castles. They're not in their high places. People who are truly godly abiding in Christ, they're going to go hold town halls because they serve us. They're there to wash our feet and we are there to wash theirs, incidentally. But when these people, these ungodly people who live in lies, inhabit the high places, and that's a biblical pun, by the way, the high places. Why would they come and meet with us? They don't serve us. We serve them. That's the big twist on this. Now compare, contrast and compare. The Lord Jesus said the Son of Man comes to serve and not be served, right? What about Satan? What did he want Jesus to do? All of this can be yours, but all you have to do is bow down to me. Then serve him forever. Jamie Raskin with a great bit of acting here asked a question about a certain guy named Epps. Jamie Raskin goes through a tidy little beat, a uh, little bit of acting. Heard myself and three members of this committee, Chip, Roy, Ken Buck, and Tom McClintock, issued in a statement urging people not to come here to accept the results of the electors. And so today I don't have an ideological axe to grind either. I find it odd that you all are defending one of the people who assaulted the Capitol. Defending who? Ray Epps. I, I, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. That's you, the resolution. Okay, well, I'll reclaim my time here. The, the, the GOP side has... The resolution is to release the notes of the investigation, the interviews that the so-called January 6th committee, Liz Cheney's group with her dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi, they interviewed Ray Epps. Jamie Raskin's pretending to not know what the discussion's about or who Ray Epps is. Is that even partly, even halfway believable? The answer is no. Oh, so this happened. Ah, man. I figured out if this would be dropping a name. Yeah, it'd be name dropping. I'm not going to do that. But this is going to happen. And this is, this is my world's crossing over. You ever have that where all of a sudden your worlds collide? And sometimes it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Like work world and home world collide. Isn't that sometimes uncomfortable? Like particularly if you have like a boss at work you don't like and you're somewhere and your family's there and, and the boss you don't like says, hey, Todd, this is your wife? And you're like, yes. And your wife says, who is this? Uh, this is Mark from work. Oh yeah, I'm Mark Schultz. And then the wife get big and the kid says, is he the one you hate? Well, we're not called to hate people. This is a positive colliding. Uh, I was at my favorite pizza place. You know the story. Uh, It's my, 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 my rhythm. And there's a young guy there, strong young kid, getting to the triple plates in the bench press. It's the 315, by the way. And decide I'm going to take, I'm going to take him for a workout. And as we're talking about this, he starts talking about his workout. The guy I'm having dinner with and his wife uh, founded one of the biggest sports businesses 
in history. And I finally told the young man, hey, by the way, have you met my guests? <laughs> they, they were asking questions about fitness, et cetera. So here's what we're going to do. He's a young guy. He's in his 20s. Super, super great at the pizza place, manager, people, person. We're going to go through a workout together. I am 55, guys. I could never have done what I'm going to do, what we're going to do. I know if you want, someday I'll tell you about the workout. It's a monster. I tested it today. It's a monster. So he's super strong. I'm going to be very curious to see how this turns out because it's a lot of running and a lot of lifting and cleaning and not jerking, but, uh, but uh, cleaning from the floor, 150 pound sandbag and a lot of running. Couldn't have ever done this without soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com. Couldn't have done a lot of this stuff. Now, if that sounds repugnant to you, like why on earth would you do that? Because I have a lot of friends saying, why do you do that? Why do you like to be punished? Why do you like to hurt? Well, let me ask you this question. What's the thing you want to be able to do, but you can't because of the fat around your body? Maybe it's feel good about yourself. Well, if that's the case, I beg you to reconsider. You're a solid person without, with or without extra fat in your body. But maybe it's something like this. Maybe there is a reunion coming up. And you want to be able to go and wear something. You want to be seen by your friends as who you used to be. Okay, don't do it for the temporary. Sodaweightloss.com is not about temporary. It's about making sure that you don't struggle with this again. I know what that's like. I took off 150 pounds of unwanted fat. I could never even imagine going out to do a workout like this with this young guy. That's my joy point. What's your joy point? Joy point. What's yours? Is it golf? Is it biking? Are those things gone? Is it dancing? The things that you have allowed the fat on your body to steal from you can be yours again. Go to my friends at sodaweightloss.com. They can give you a very solid estimate after years, years of knowledge gaining, how quickly the fat will come off, what that's going to cost. Remember, they're providing a bunch of the foods, so subtract that from the cost because it's food you're not going to be buying. You don't have to travel anywhere. They have over 7,000 Google reviews, average 4.8 stars out of five. Nearly perfect. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. And yeah, I guess I will post the results of the, uh, the workout. I'm trying not to be prideful about that, by the way, because that was one of the things that got me in real trouble. That's one of the reasons I think God decided it was time for my shoulder to blow out because I was being prideful. So Jamie Raskin doesn't know who Ray Epps is. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Face fed posting? (laughs) We need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Monument Hill. All right. No, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get shot. Just arrest us all. It's Ray Epps being involved in shoving a sign, a massive sign into cops with a bunch of other people. So Jamie Raskin doesn't know who that is, even though Ted Cruz has played that. Other members of Congress have played this in the Senate. They understand the stakes. What are the stakes? The stakes are the FBI gets away with helping to propagate this. The stakes are they do more of this, like the Fed napping thing. The stakes are they do succeed in indicting Donald Trump and in such banning him from being in office. And if they do that, banning him from being on ballots, if they do that, they get their civil war. Maybe not now, but soon. Because when you take the vote away from people, that's how wars happen. Oh, I see. It doesn't matter who we vote for. You're just going to indict them. Because you think we're going to be convinced. Oh, well, they'll never do this to uh, they'll, they'll never do this to Ron DeSantis. They'll never find ways to indict Ron DeSantis when all of this was based upon these core lies. Liz Cheney is ill in the head because Liz Cheney worships institutions. Liz Cheney doesn't stand on the truth. She can't see it. She can't any longer relate to the truth, to context. 
stating that Donald Trump's the only guy who's ever violated his oath of office is bizarre. So we back the people who can see it. Thomas Massey has been heroic on COVID. I disagree with him on his assessment of the election. He's been heroic on COVID. He's been, he's been heroic on climate change, so-called. He's been heroic on the technocrats. He's even mentioned pharma. Here's Thomas Massey responding to Jerry Nadler and to, and to Jamie Raskin pretending to not know who Ray Epps is. Mr. Chairman, there's a deep concern in this country about the politicization of federal law enforcement. I'm glad that you talk about conspiracy theories. I wonder if it was a conspiracy theory that there were FBI informants and agitators uh, plotting, helping to plot the kidnapping of a governor in Michigan. I guess that was just a conspiracy theory. I guess it was just a conspiracy theory that the federal government uh, in, encouraged social media companies to withhold information that would have been pertinent to the last election. Uh, maybe it was just a conspiracy theory that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Oh, wait, that was the Democrat conspiracy theory. And what was the truth? The truth is it wasn't disinformation. The truth is that the federal government encouraged the media, the media who succumbed to this should have been ashamed, the social media, to withhold that for days. And that could have affected the last election. It couldn't have affected. It did. A huge percentage of Democrats have said, I wouldn't have voted for the figurehead had I known. And it wasn't just social media to correct Representative Massey. So what do we do? When there are Republicans who do not state the stakes of the game, why back them? This is so scary. Remember we talked a few weeks ago, I guess it was uh, six or so weeks ago, I did a show about rock. Remember this? Not, not, not Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if you heard the show, but when people are panicked, and the, for instance, I gave this example of being dumped into a river. And let's say you're in a boat and the, and the boat goes down, you're dumped into this raging river or a bridge goes out. And, and the only thing to hold on to is a rock. And people will they'll just they'll hug rock. Rock will save us. Well, fact of the matter is, eventually your arms are going to let go. Eventually you're going to get hypothermia. Rock cannot save you if you're in the water. Even if you're out of the water, you're soaking wet. Let's say you're standing on rock. So you're on the rock. It can't save you. Eventually, you need food. Eventually, you need to drink water. Eventually, you need shelter or you're going to die of hypothermia in the cold in getting wet and moist on top of the rock on the raging river. But people will hold onto the rock or log. That was the other one I used. Log. That was the one I used. Log. So you're partly in the water. You're hugging that log and the water's tugging at you. But man, I'm not letting go of log. And then rescuers come. Rescuers are coming. They're downstream and they, they string this huge net across the river. It's a big old net and there's big, strong firemen and, and they're there and they do this all the time. And maybe there's a fireman, he's being lowered, you know, or a Coast Guard guy. Do they do river rescues? I don't think they do, but okay. So a fire guy coming down and, and they're in the basket and they're just let go, let go of log. And people look around and go, no, I'm not letting go of log. Log's going to save us, man. I don't trust those guys down there. God is telling us, I gotcha. God is telling us, I'll never leave you. God is telling us, look, you can continue to back the slightly less satanic people like Mitch McConnell. You can continue to have fealty to them or you can trust in me. You can let go of log. I'll catch you. You can let go of log. And instead we go and we back the people like a Massey who at least speaks this way about Jan 6 is at least seeking these answers. We back Ron Johnson, who's at least seeking the answers on the COVID flu. We back, we back Rand Paul, who's seeking this stuff. And there's other people. But for the rest of the Republican Party, it was log for many years. And we had to hold on to log. What's the option? God's the option. The Lord is the option. The best option. Trust in him. If we abandon these people, do we think that God will not fill the vacuum? 
He will with godly people if we will participate in that. Thomas Massey said the media should be ashamed. Here's the view talking about how Jan 6th is good theater. The criticism that it's in a theatrical event, because they did hire a former um, ABC News president mm -hmm. to go there. Yeah. He used to work here. We know him, James Goldson. Mm -hmm. He's doing something with them. Mm -hmm. um, I Not think Fox. With, You're with, talking about the, the, uh, the hearings. Like yeah. You know, that's this Thursday and what's coming up next week. But I think that that is an important thing to on Thursday night my feeling is that they must pre present this in the most dramatic way they can so that people will continue to watch something like on that day <laughs> these people tried to have your vice president killed Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe something like that will maybe. slap them into, wow, is that true? <laughs> Let's hear more about that. And I, so I don't object to the theatricality of it. It's really, you've got to keep people's attention. Got to keep people's attention away from the attack on the cities, the purposeful destruction of law enforcement, the attack on the families, the purposeful severing of binds between kids and their parents, the attack on kids' health, getting them to be angry, drug-addicted, little racist little sex bots, the attack on our food supply system, the attack on our energy system and our infrastructure. It was less this week. Chris Bray had this story. A city council in a town around Los Angeles where Chris Bray from the Substack piece, I love it. It's called Tell Me How It Ends. Great Substack. Chris Bray was at a council meeting the week that California said, stop charging your Teslas, turn off all unnecessary lights, take your thermostat and put it up to 78 degrees, don't use electricity, don't charge your cars. That same week, a city council voted to sell all the gas-powered police cars and to buy Teslas. And the one city council member who used to be a cop said, are you insane? We won't be able to charge them. And a city council member said, I don't feel that's valid. You don't feel it's valid? That's what you feel? Well, it's valid because that's what the math says. That's how far these people are from the truth. The View, ladies of The View, we're talking about theater. Might I remind us of this? I was just offered $400 to make an anti-Donald Trump propaganda post related to the January 6th investigation. That is completely not true. I should start out this video by saying I'm not a Donald Trump supporter, so that should give a little bit of context to where I'm coming from. I'm an attorney. I post legal news and analysis on related topics. Okay, here we go with the story. So first thing first, I get an email from somebody with the Good Info Foundation. We'll talk about them a little more in a minute. I'm going to refer to this person as Jane. Jane sent me a message letting me know she represented the Good Info Foundation and that she was willing to offer a paid collaboration to discuss some topics related to January 6th. I said, sure, why not? I'll learn some more. Jane says the Good Info Foundation will give me $400 to make a post on my page and then share it to Instagram. So you see that blue link? All right, here, we're going to follow it. These are the specific requirements in order to obtain that $400 of how I should refer to the January 6th Capitol raid. Number one, I must call this a criminal conspiracy. Number two, I must say Trump Republicans were responsible. Number three, I must frame it as an attack on my country, an attack on America or Americans, a criminal conspiracy and a committed crime. I must attribute the matter to MAGA Republicans. I must make clear that this was ongoing and unresolved. And most importantly, that I must channel all of this unto the manipulation of voter agencies so that I could turn their anger around this event into defiance that would make people more likely to vote in midterms. And the thing that struck me the most was this part, where I was told to talk about the aspects of the Trump campaign's plan, and I was supposed to say that the Trump campaign paid literally millions of dollars to make January 6th happen. So I figured, you know, maybe I missed something. So I said, hey, Jane, what is the basis for the claim that the Trump campaign itself paid millions of dollars to make the January 6th siege of the Capitol happen? Jane doesn't answer the question. Hi, Preston. If you don't want to state that in the video, it's fine. You don't have to use all the bullet points provided. So I kept going. Sure, I'm just wondering if there's support for that claim. Jane doesn't answer again. Let me know if you are interested and the rate works for you. Thanks so much. I'm not interested and the rate doesn't work for me. This is the Good Info Foundation. 
They boast on their homepage that good information is the lifeblood of a democracy. It's a Soros-backed institution, shocker. Axios, a liberal mockingbird media entity, ran a press release pretending it was some super secret information they got that this was launching. It's run by former State Department people who worked for Barack Hussein Obama. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, by the way, it's illegal. They're a 501c3. It's illegal what they're doing. But Merrick Garland won't do anything. We'll get to this angry email in a second. Hey, um, we have some big news coming up about the podcast. And I haven't decided yet what we're going to announce. I know what we're going to announce. I haven't decided when we're going to announce it. But I wanted to take a second simply to say thank you. Uh, We wouldn't be about to announce what we're going to announce if it wasn't for you. So when we announce this this week and I explain what's going on, um, I want to give you some some heads up. There's going to be some changes. They're not going to harm the program a bit. They're going to help us grow and help us thrive. No, it's not going to be. A part. <laughs> I was thinking people who remember the, uh, the, the much beloved Candy Mike and Todd experience. No, it's not going to be a partner show. I may do some partner work with a friend of mine on a show much more faith-based even than this one, but that's a different story. Um, no, there's going to be some changes. And overall, it's going to be to make the show thrive. And it's going to give us a great ability to spread this podcast so much further. So I know I'm being a bit of a tease, but really the purpose of all this is to say, when this announcement comes out, I want you to know it happened because God brought us together. And I want you to know, and I don't say this often enough, I totally understand the math without you in the position of being in the podcast family and supporting the podcast family. There is no me in this position. And I've never stopped in my mind wanting to do this sort of stuff for a living. So I appreciate you very, very deeply. Which brings us to some emails of people upset with me. Or or irked. I don't think it's upset, necessarily irked. First is from Neri, N-E-R-I. Very unique name. Todd, I love your show, but the the crackling, sympathetic, sincere voice, you have the same voice you have in your personal note. It is truly annoying and off-putting to a point where I forward the podcast or turn off the radio. Remember the Maha Rush, Rush Limbaugh never played with his voice for sympathy, for mockery, or for belittling and satire, but never sympathy to his very last day of broadcasting. Never sympathy. The voice of you, the nostalgic, sympathetic, and sincere, or that wild laugh you have cannot sound more phony. I think that says phony. It says F-O-N-N-Y, but I bet you did this with voice recognition. Phony and utterly annoying. This is my only critique of the show. Thank you. Th- Neri, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. Um, I was just saying Neri. Because um, I'm not clear on the gender. I'm sorry. I don't know the name Neri. It's a great name. I, I, I wish you'd tell me. Uh, Neri, a, a number of things here. I... I wow, this is such an interesting interpretation. There is literally nothing in my life for which I think I deserve or want sympathy. Literally nothing. I am one of the most blessed people. The Lord has blessed me so profoundly that I'm sitting here thinking, I can't think of something in my life for which I could even make an argument for sympathy. Empathy? Yeah, I think we all need empathy. And secondly, there's no performance. We've never met, Neri. I don't think we've met. So if you were to meet me, you'd find out I'm a lot more quiet in person because my job, I mean, I don't work for anybody, but my job is to speak. And therefore I speak a lot because it's my job. And that's why people, you know, that's why people download the podcast. That's why our partners use us to reach people because of the podcast, because I talk. Um, the laugh. Yeah, I get that from time to time. People say that. And here's my explanation for this. Have you ever talked by yourself in a room for two and a half hours? Truly, you'll laugh at things in different ways than you do when you're around people. When you're laughing at something that occurs to you, at least this is what happens to me. When I am going through something I read in show prep and I studied in show prep and it didn't occur to me to see it from this angle, like there's a laugh that comes out of me. I, I, I don't go around giving that laugh. But man, for me to sit here and fake thinking is something and funny. 
that would make me that would make me sick to laugh at something to pretend it was funny. I I would want I would want to invite a raccoon in here to eat my eyeballs rather than pretend laugh at something. But I appreciate the note and I'm glad that's your only point of disagreement with the show and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Shay. Hey Todd, I uh, hope uh, I hope you and your family are well. First, I love your recent commentary on COVID, which drew me to the show two years ago. I was excited that you're still keeping the COVID lies in front of people, but I wanted to share with you that I've decided to shift away from daily listening to tuning in only on Fridays when Zach is on and you guys discuss the economy so good. The reason is there's just too much talk about rape and violence rotating in the shows frequently. Today, you spoke of a girl raped by 20 men. I understand your heart is to raise awareness about what's happening in these in the world and politics, especially to kids, but this does make it hard to tune in on a daily basis. I try to start my day with Philippians mantra, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, think on these things. And then I tune in and I hear about rape and violence, which erases my morning devotion. I promise you, I'm not trying to be one of those listeners who just wants to complain. I appreciate you and your show more than I could express. Really helped me get through COVID. I write to you because I believe in your work. I want to encourage you. Just remember you have us females in the audience. And while the world does not agree with this, the Bible says that we are the weaker vessel. And one area that this is the ability to hear about evil and shake it off. It tends to stick. Maybe it's just me. Perhaps I'm not cut out for talk radio anymore. <laughs> talk radio has been a massive part of my life for like 25 years as I work from home, sometimes get bored. And I love politics and hate daytime TV. God bless from Shay. Shay, thanks for the note. Um, Shay, I hear you and I understand this stuff can be upsetting and I can, I appreciate you explaining it from your point of view as a woman. And I'm aware that women listen. And in fact, uh, I used to get in trouble because we had too high of a female percentage listenership in Seattle radio, which by the way, made us the number three, you know, talk show in our day part, but we're not supposed to have women listening to conservative radio. Uh, I will offer you this. When I speak of something like that, it's, it is inspired by something I did about, see, my daughter was just born, so probably about 16 years ago. I was at Microsoft uh, and oddly enough, working at the MSNBC facility before it went insane, when it was still a news organization and it was still actually balanced. And we were working on a video project for them, for MSNBC. And this was the day that Nicholas Berg, do you remember Nicholas Berg? He was beheaded. So he was a young man and he went to, uh, I forget which country, but went to the Middle East to earn money and to be a contractor, not, not a military contractor, but a, a you know, support of the military and, and doing construction. And he got taken captive uh, by Al Qaeda and they beheaded him. And I thought so hard about whether I wanted to do this or not, but I decided to watch the footage of the beheading. And before I watched it, I sat and I thought, well, why am I doing this? Because I don't like faces of death or anything like that. The reason I wanted to do it was to go through it with him. Now he was dead. I hope he'd gone to the Lord. I don't know if he knew the Lord, but I hope he went to the Lord. I decided to go through it with him. My rationale was this. If he could go through it, he had to, he had no choice. I could go through it with my choice intact. It was so horrifying that I had to leave work. I just put out a note. I'm feeling sick and I'm going home. I was so shaken by that. And so disturbed and so grateful that I got to see what evil truly looks like. That when I speak of details like that, it's to remind us of why we put whatever's good, whatever's lovely, why we think on these things, why we meditate on these things. It's to put into our minds what we're fighting against, what we're avoiding. It's to put into our minds the stakes of the game. And more importantly, Shay, it's to go through it with those people so that we can truly say to them, I know what happened and I love you. 
I know what they did to you and it's not your fault. That's why. So Neri, back to your notes. This is how I talk when something touches me. And you'll find that in person, Neri, if you and I meet in person, same Todd. Really is. Shay, I wish you well. I'm glad that you're going to listen to us while Zach's on. I guess I have to pop you a note and let you know I responded to you. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and no, no. Like the Apostle Peter, when he walked in the water for just a little while, he had that faith, and then he, he caught himself. The Lord has us. We don't need to rely on the decrepit and slightly less satanic, satanic party. Oh, the Republican Party, pardon me.